following is a message from Axe Church Lakeline, a church located in Northwest Austin, Texas. For more information and other messages, please visit us at axechurchlakeline.com. See, and it's everyone's trying to look their best, and sometimes you get a letter and it tells a whole story. Um, and kind of have this thing in our household I didn't ask permission so Krista sorry but Krista likes to look at them like once or twice and then discard of them um, and I'm the guy who's like no we're gonna keep this and nail it to the wall or something like that like I'm the hoarder in the crew uh, and so this is our refrigerator some of y'all are on there Shoot, a lot of y'all are on there. Uh, so there's some retirement announcements in there. There's some postcards for some people. Uh, there, my, my grandma's up there. There's things from Krista and I's wedding. There's things from some of y'all's weddings. Uh, there's a beautiful, look at this artwork. I mean, we've got a Picasso on our hands. Just some fun stuff. There's a soccer magnet because that's something I don't know. So when I get a card, uh, I had the issue this week where I ran into something. It was like, I got I to gotta put this up uh, before it, it finds its way to its other place. And, and I, I ran out of magnets, okay? And so it's limited by height where Theo can reach. But it's, oh, there's a magnet right there. <laughs> there's one more. I'm going home. I'm getting that magnet. But I ran out of magnets, so some of them are double stacked. And I love this moment or this view or whenever I go into somebody's house I look at two things I look at their bookshelf and then I look at their fridge to see what kind of announcements are on their fridge and this is the uh, modern day way that we say check out what's coming up in life right you send out a save the date you're like I have an important announcement for you Uh, you need to look at this or if you send out a, a retirement announcement, it's, I, I need you to look at this. We're going to celebrate. It's coming up in the future. If you send out a birth announcement, it's the same thing. It's like, hey, we, this is a child that we're apparently responsible for. Here we go. Pray, pray for us. But this is the modern version of, hark, behold, check this out. We are thrilled about this right now. This is how we do it. This is something that I, I love. And I, I, I want us to start there because it's the way we say hark, or in the uh, Bible they call it normally shows up as behold. For us, it's hey, check this out, or we send a postcard. But in the 1700s, uh, the Hark the Herald Angels Sing, uh, it was written by uh, Charles Wesley, who is one of the most prolific hymn writers the church has. Uh, Charles Wesley was the brother of John Wesley. These are the kind of founders of Methodism uh, for the Methodist. And Charles Wesley wrote 6,500 hymns. 6,500 hymns. This man was just, he just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And I love the author of this hymn, and I love the person who kind of worked on it with him. 
And the other person that worked on this, his name was uh, George Whitfield. He was a British guy. And George Whitfield was a- another person who uh, worked and worked and worked and worked for the spread and for the sake of the gospel. Uh, George Whitfield rode, I think they said it's either 125 or 250,000 miles, all by horse, preaching some 18,000 times, oftentimes uh, two or three times a day, just ongoing. There's not that many Sundays in this man's life. And he just kept going and going and going. He, he was a part of an orphanage build. And between George Whitfield, the British person, and a, a guy named Jonathan Edwards, who is one of our great American uh, theologians, between these two people, um, in the 1700s, there spurred something in the United States called the Great Awakening. And, and some people that are uh, historians or scholars or, and theologians, um, they look at what happened in the Great Awakening, and it was when a great number of people uh, turned their lives to Christ. And they look at what happened there, and, and they, they draw this conclusion uh, some 200 and however many years later. They say Europe's in the spiritual situation it is now because it was kind of the normal track for them. And they say, and, and that's the, the decline of um, people following Jesus and the, the closing down of churches and everything. And they say uh, the United States or America is probably 20 to 30 years, a generation, maybe a generation and a half away from that because of what happened in the 1700s, because of the Great Awakening. And when I think about that, when I look about it, I'm like, wow, we are, maybe you heard this, I knew I heard this growing up, but we're, uh, we're about a generation away from, if people stop telling the story, if people stop saying, hark, check this out, look, you need to see what Jesus is up to, then, then we'll find ourselves in the same spot. And so I'm extremely thankful for people like Whitfield and the Wesleys and uh, Jonathan Edwards for um, kind of setting that tone for the place that we call home as our country. But let's go to Hark, all right? Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I usually just blurt it all together, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But, but in, in the hymnals, and when you look at it, it says, Hark, exclamation point, the Herald Angels Sing. And so I, when I look at this, I have to say, Hark, check this out. Behold, the heralding angels, the, the, the angels are saying something, and then this is what they sang. I have to kind of rephrase that so it's not like there's just one large name and this is the name it's Harold the Angel type thing. It's not that. You have to say, this is what these angels were trying to get across. So today we're going to look at these three verses and look at what were they trying to say and what does that mean for us? What were they trying to say what does that mean for us? The first thing uh, we find in verse 1. Hans, if you throw that up here. I don't want y'all staring at my fridge anymore. It says, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. The first thing I want you to, to think about when these angels, just picture it, okay? Angel breaks through, we, we read this in Luke 2, angel breaks through and says to these shepherds, you guys have to check this out. You have to check this out. It's, it's like... It's, it's exactly the same thing you or I do when we go see a movie or listen to a song or read a book and, like, you have to see this thing. 
It's pretty amazing. I've known about it for however long, and I want to share it with you. You have to go try this dish at this restaurant. You have to read this book at this time. I'm going to get it for you, and here it is. When the angels come down, it's not as if it was brand new news for them. Because they're kind of out of time. We're in time. They're kind of out of time. And they're breaking in and sharing something. They're saying, you guys, you don't even know what's happening. It is so close to you, and it's amazing. And it's, oh, it's going to, you have to go see. You have to see this. So when the angels say, they say, glory to the newborn king, and, and I'm sure the shepherds were like, uh, I, glory, what? This is very confusing, and you're floating, and I'm sort of afraid. But they're sharing their good news to humanity. They're saying something amazing has happened, and you are about to find out about it. Put the save the date on the fridge. Something is about to happen that is amazing. And they say, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, and mercy mild. Uh, This, they say, this Jesus, this person, he's the peace bringer. He's the peace bringer. And because they're out of time, because they don't experience time the same way we do, they understand what the peace bringer brings. The the, the peace bringer brings shalom, and that's not where you talk. This is one of my favorite things, so I'm sure you've heard this from me. It's not just the absence of war. But when the peace bringer comes, he starts bringing back shalom. Because Jesus is theologically the second person of the Trinity. And he was there when, when, when everything was created. And everything was as it should be, as it ought to be. And, and there was shalom. And when he comes back, what he comes back to do is bring shalom back to our chaotic and broken and sinful world. When I think of shalom, or when I see the word peace, I'm like, that's just not anti-war, that or the absence of war. What does peace bring? The, the, that means God knitting things together as they were meant to be. And that is what the angels are saying to these shepherds who just were caught off guard. I love how Wesley and Whitfield wrote it, God and sinners reconciled. You're like, we're in Advent. We didn't sing many Advent songs today. It's because I told Alyssa, I was like, hey, here's the theme. I want to focus on what it looks like when God and sinners are reconciled. When God uh, brings back his people, you and I, through the work of his son, Jesus. What does that look like? So, so the songs that we sang and the songs coming up, they're going to be focused towards that. What does it look like when God brings us back into a relationship with him? And the last thing, they named a place, right? Luke 2 says, in the city of David today is born. It's not this, in your heart, I want you to feel this way. Or it's not some sort of internal reality or external reality. It is, it is an incarnate reality. That, that it's not something that we can't understand. They say, Christ is born in the city of David, or as the hymn says, Christ is born in Bethlehem. 
in Bethlehem. You can go right over there and see it. That's where he was born. This is where the incarnation happens. This is where God in flesh steps in, and as the message says it, moved into the neighborhood. So he knows what life is like for us. Verse 2 kind of explains, verse 1 says, Verse 1 says, I, I need you guys to see this. This is, I, they're, they're coming. This, this king is coming. These angels are saying the king is coming. It's, it's what they said. And verse 2 kind of it shares a little bit more. Who is, who is Jesus? Well, he's uh, adored in heaven. And, they, and we see this in the text. It's like, oh, glory to God in the highest. They're like, this one. They, they all point, and they're like, not me, not the floating guy in the field. No, it's like, this one is coming. This one is coming, and that's who we give glory to. They call him an everlasting Lord. They say, this is miraculous. This is an offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. And they say, hail, praise the incarnate deity. The one who comes to be like us, to be with us, that is fully God and fully man. And I like how they phrase this. Pleased is man with man to dwell. It's capitalized because it's referring to the, the title of God, title of Jesus, the son of man. And he's pleased as the son of man to come down to humanity, all of us, to dwell. Pleased as man, with man to dwell. I think that's uh, incredibly important for us. As humanity, it's incredibly important for us to see that he was pleased to do this. That this was the plan. That this was the, the, the plan that, that the Father said, you know, we're going to do this because we need them back. I want them back. I want to be reconciled with them again. And that's what Emmanuel, we talked about this last week, uh, God with us. And we see that in its fruition in Jesus. And one more thing on him being pleased. Some of us have this story that we tell ourselves. Um, and maybe you don't admit it, but it kind of shows up sometimes when we talk about ourselves or talk about how, how we think about ourselves or how we think about how God thinks about us. And a lot of us have this narrative in our head that, God's just kind of sitting here tolerating me and, and looking at me like, oh, you are kind of miserable, but I will bring you along because I said I would, right? And, and there might be some truth to that. We are still sinful. We still part, we still, we're still active in our sinful humanity. But, but I don't think that's how he looks at us. I think when, when he's... When we look at him and when we think about what he thinks about us, that he looks at us uh, in light of the cross, and he says, I'm, I'm delighted in this one. That daughter is mine, or, or that son is mine. Do you know how I wired them? I wired them like this so they could live out and explore this world and explore relationships and vocations and all sorts of communities and things like that. I think he doesn't stand there and be like, oh, yeah, I, I created this one. And blah. I think when he looks at you, he's like, this one's mine. And I know all the amazing ways that maybe they don't even know how I've wired them, but, but ah, that's my son. That's my daughter. 
the third verse uh, is probably my favorite. The first verse is, is what they said. They're like, you guys have to look at this. You need to look at my refrigerator. There's all sorts of songs that we are going to sing about this person. The second one is, this is, is who this person is. This person, this Jesus, uh, you guys might not see because it, it looks like a baby who's crying and all of that. But, but what we know about him, what the angels know about him is he's the everlasting Lord. He's the Prince of Peace. He's wise, and he is the one you're going to put your hope in in the future. And then verse 3, what I love about verse 3 is it's what does it need? What does it say to us? What does it say to us? Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. So my first question to y'all is, do you need a second birth in life? Or do you need a second chance or a second look at things? Where is that? And for some of us, it's not a second birth, but it's a third birth and a fourth birth and a fifth birth and the the beauty of born to give them second birth is that well as luther said we daily die and we daily rise in our faith it's like this is the rhythm that we go and each morning you die to your sinful self and you rise in your uh in your new in your new identity so the second birth is how many days since your baptism or how many days since you were born? Do you need a second birth? And the answer for all of us is absolutely. I need a second birth desperately. Desperately. Second question. Uh, well, let's go through the start at the top. Hail the heavenly prince of peace. Again, the name of him. Hail the son of righteousness. And what I like about that. Well, I'll keep going. Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings. Originally, we were kind of going back and forth, like, is it S-O-N or S-U-N? And so I pulled out hymnal, like, and then I looked at what did Wesley write and then what did Whitfield say? And I was like, oh, no, no, it's, it's not S-O-N of righteousness, not the Son of Man of righteousness. It's the S-U-N of righteousness. They're, they're putting a new title on Jesus. And I'm like, oh, is that... Is that the right thing to do? And then I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, wait a minute. We have to back up. Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings. And I thought to myself, that is a beautiful title for Jesus. The Son of Righteousness. I mean, when you look at the sun, it's pretty bright, right? I mean, come on. Let's be honest. It's the sun, and we all wear sunglasses because of that. But looking at the sun, in, in the daytime, it's amazing. Even in the nighttime, it reflects off the moon, and we see that, and it lights up. But this thing is powerful. It brings light and heat. It works with plants so that they can grow and flourish. There's, it, well, shoot, look around this room, right? If I were to pull my phone out and... There's a flutophone on here. That was, uh, we were talking about that earlier. It's a recorder with a bell at the end. It's kind of fun. If I were to hold this out outside at 2 p.m. on a bright Austin day, it wouldn't make any difference, right? But in here, 
In the dark theater, I can see all sorts of things. It shines light because light shines light in darkness. There are four spotlights behind you, and they're blinding everyone in the middle. So if you're between Andy and Allison, I can't see you, right? I hope that you're there and you're awake. But I can't see you. But what those do is they illuminate. And the beauty of light illuminating darkness is darkness can't escape from light. And if I were to grab one of those and shine it through here, I could be able to shine it and see all the nooks and crannies of this theater. And if I were to walk through the rows, I'd be able to look and find the things that we might have dropped or the little wing nuts, or the bracelets, or the pens that we've dropped while writing in here. Maybe we'd find some popcorn or some Sour Patch Kids from last night. Who knows? But the light, it finds things, and you can't escape from the light. And the beauty of that for the Christian is if we believe that the God is the, the son of righteousness, and we trust him, And he can light up the dark places in my life. So our question is, where is the darkness in your life? Where is the darkness in your life? Are you caught in a pattern of sin? Are you caught in a recurring lie that you tell yourself? Are you caught in shame or fear? The angels in this hymn say, Hail the Son of Righteousness, Light and life to all he brings. It's not light and fear. It's light and life. It's not light and damnation. It's light and life. Because when we stand uh, with the cross in front of the Son of Righteousness, it purifies us. It's our repentance. It's our saying, I'm not perfect, but I but I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting in the Son of Righteousness to be perfect for me. And the final question in this is, where is their death? Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Maybe you have death in a relationship right now. Maybe it's a a person. Maybe it's uh, an opportunity. Maybe it's a dream. And there's death there. But I I love the hope that this hymn has for us. We might ask ourselves, where is death? But the angels, what do they say? They know the whole reality, and they're, they're inviting us to look at Jesus. They say, oh, yeah, you guys experienced death, but, but this one, he was here so that, that there might not be any more death. That, oh, yeah, shalom doesn't exist anymore, but he's here to bring it, and he's here to invite you into that. Born that man may no more may die. That's beautiful, right? I think a lot of us have gone through death, and there's a lot of questions that come with that, and it's a long, long um, grief process. But there's there's a hope when it when we know the person 
has, has trusted and has, has placed their life in the hands of God. And that hope is in the one who, who defeats death. The hope is in the one who, who looked at it and was like, okay, I can do this, but then I come back on Sunday. Died on Friday, I'm back on Sunday. The final song, or the song we're going to sing during communion, uh, when Alyssa picked it, I was like, that is not an, but, but I, it's not an Advent song. But then I looked at it, I'm like, but this is the perfect song for us to sing. Because it talks about uh, creation and the creator. And this is one of the major distinctions that, as people, we need to realize. There's a creator, and there's everything else. There's a creator, and that's God, and there's everything else. And when, uh, when, when the reconciler, when the peace bringer comes, he comes to, to reconcile, but then also to restore everything else. When Revelations, when Isaiah, when it talks about um, heaven and earth, a new heaven and a new earth, it's a restoration of what was. It's a restoration and a, a newness to the, what we will experience when we're with him. Perfection, walking with God, unbroken relationships, no more sin, shame, fear, or guilt. Just walking with God, enjoying the delight of each other, and praising him for it. So this last song, it, it has this line, and this line that I really like, it says, well, we'll bring it up. It says, on a hill you created. And this stuck out to me as I was driving around this week and all of that. I was like, oh, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, he was, he was there in Genesis 1 and 2, right? So the, the word was there. And the spirit of God was there. And I was like, that, that, yeah, we're going to create this hill like this, and it's going to be in an area, and there might be some wind that changes it over time, but there's a hill right here, and that's the hill you're going to go down on, and you're, you're going to start as a baby, right, and you're going to live in this region, and you're going to, you know, grow up and have a job and be a teenager and do some schooling, go to church, and then at 30, you're going to do some, some, some ministry. You're going to go to weddings, and then it gets weird. You're going to do some miracles, and you're going to walk around. You're going to have a crew of people you go with. And then at the end of that three years, on a hill you created, the light of the world, the sun of righteousness, was abandoned in darkness to die. Abandoned on the hill that he made for us. And he was abandoned there hanging on a tree because that's what the father needed to bring us back into a relationship with him. He's like, my son, I'm going to forsake him or abandon him for a little bit to pay the penalty of death that you and I couldn't create. And he was abandoned in darkness to die. And, and I love how we tie Bethlehem. They sang it then. And this song says it as well. Where you lost your life, there was a hill that you created, not too far from Bethlehem, where the stable you were born. You lost your life. Why? So I could find my man. That's what we're leaning into in Advent. You lost your life, so I could find mine there. And this is the beauty of what the angels are saying. 
I'm saying, hey, you guys have to check this out. There's a story that you're a part of, and you know it. Real fun part is, those people that watched him die on that hill, some of the very same ones, they go. And they're in mourning, right? Because when your friend dies, when your family dies, it's heart-wrenching. And they go close to where he was put on the tree and abandoned to die. And they go, and they go to the tomb. And these women go to the tomb. And the best thing they see is right there. The, we have the accounts that they, oh, you, you show up to the tomb, and there's more angels there. And their message is, behold, which is the, the, the year 33, 35, whatever, way of saying, hark, or how we'd say, check it out. They say, hark, he's not here. He's risen, and he's alive. And that's what we live in now, too. We say, hark at his birth, he's coming. And we say, hark at his second birth, at his resurrection, because we know that's true for us. Father, we thank you for making your story beautiful and poetic. And we also thank you for inviting us into your story. We thank you for uh, making a way for us, for reconciling us back to you, for buying us back. We thank you that that leaves us with peace and joy and a thrill of hope that we get to experience every day of our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.